The guys, doesn't that look like a lot of fun? I mean, the retreat. And I'm sure they have like a cabin for heavy snorers. I don't know, you know. So um, they'll they'll have something for the women. We just got to look it up and see what it is. The women usually do a little bit more frilly kind of things than the guys. I don't think y'all skeet shoot and rifle shoot and four-wheel drive and all that. But um, I was thinking, you know, instead of skeet shooting, it ought to be a little more realistic to living in the New Orleans area. Somebody pop up and shoot them, right, you know, like, or have you by your car and somebody tries to carjack you and you shoot them. I don't know, you know, target practice that way. It would, the shoot, don't shoot drills, you know, something like that. So I'm sure I'll get a bad Facebook message on that or something. Or a lot of amens, one of the two. One of the two, so. I tell you, we need to pray for our city and we need to pray for our country, but, uh, it's uh, this whole area with the, the carjackings has is, is kind of become faddish, so it's even making it worse. And in the city, they, there's no consequences hardly, so um, they just don't, they don't prosecute them like they need to. But uh, So anyway, we just need to pray. Pray that we see a lot of hearts change. Well, tonight, we're talking about, uh, we're, we started the series, Making the Most of Your Time, last week. And, uh, or redeeming the time, if you want to talk King James or anything like that. So we talked about, a little bit about that, and, and the verse we looked at, Paul was speaking, and he said this, so be careful how you live, and he, he knew we'd be living in the New Orleans area, didn't he, on the West Bank. He said, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. And let me tell you what he's saying here. He's talking about don't just drift along the river. Be intentional about how you live. Be intentional. Pay attention. He said, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants to do. So he's telling us that, you know, to make the most of every opportunity. And, and the reason is, is so we can understand what God wants us to do and then do what God wants us to do. And, and so he wants us to see that. And, uh, and so you see in here, God cares about how we, we handle our time because he wants to, us to make the best use of that time. And he says, because these days are evil. I don't think anybody would argue that we live in some pretty evil days. And, uh, and so it's amazing just how evil it is. So last week we discussed, in case you missed it, we looked at how can Jesus help us manage our time well? How can, how can we do that? And, uh, and so, you know, Jesus, if you think about it, he didn't have an iPhone Today, he would have an iPhone, not a droid or, you know, one of those others. He would have an iPhone. Um, he, uh, he, he didn't have, he'd have to check emails. He wasn't looking at Facebook Messenger like some of y'all are doing now. He didn't have to choose between doing his quiet time or uh, answering messages. And, and he didn't spend hours scrolling through his Instagram account to see what people were posting, you know, and, and stuff like that. But life was different, but he did deal with, with interruptions, and so... Yeah, we, we looked at that. Hebrews 4.15 says this, the high priest of ours. Let me just back up where it says the high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest's job was what? It was to be the mediator between us and God. And, uh, and so that's the Jewish high priest was, would represent the people to God and God to the people. And so he would go into the Holy of Holies. We couldn't, but the high priest would. Well, now we have a high priest in Jesus it says, who understands our weaknesses, 
because he faced all the same things that we did, all the same testings we do, but yet he did not sin. And, uh, and so Jesus understands everything we're going through. He was fully God. He was fully man. Uh, he, you know, and the Bible teaches he understood everything that we go through, including our efforts to get everything done in a timely manner, to make the best use of our time. Now, when we look at the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus was interrupted all the time. I mean, his attention was demanded by various peoples all the time. The best thing I can think of, uh, like today, when, when Pastor Kathy goes to, especially on the women's tier, where the women are locked up, and if, but any of them, I've been with her when she does this, she'll walk up to the bars, and uh, you know, at the gate of the bars, there'll be 60 people. Like, like honeybees on, on a, on, when you'd steal their honey right up there, and all of them are shouting something they want her to do for them. And, and that's what was happening to Jesus. He just had a crowd around him all the time, always wanting something from him. And, uh, and so, so he, he was going through that, and it, but here's a couple of examples from the Bible. One is Jairus' daughter uh, in Mark 5. I'll read the, I'll read the account. Uh, he was distracted by a woman here. He's, he said just as he got into the boat again, Jesus got in the boat again and went back to the other side. That was after he cast the demons out of the guy. And he went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. He couldn't even get out of the boat, y'all. He'd get out of the boat and people right there. Why? Because he was doing miraculous things. And, uh, and so a large crowd gathered around him on the shore then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus. Now, I want you to understand something. The Jews were already starting to kind of turn on him, and they're trying to ask him questions and trap him. But here's a Jewish leader that's come to Jesus, and it says, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter's dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. Now, you know, I find it interesting. A lot of times people have their either theology or their non-theology. They might be an atheist until their kid's the one that's sick. They might make fun of you for praying until they need a prayer. And then they come to you. And, and that's what's happening here. The, the, these Jewish leaders that were trying to trap Jesus, now this dude's daughter's dying, and he's going, man, I've seen this guy do miracles. Maybe he'll do one for me. And, and so uh, Jesus, it says, Jesus went with him. And, but look what it said. And all the people followed him, crowding around him. He couldn't even, I mean, he's going, and he's got this crowd. It's just like, everywhere you go, there's people. And, and, and so they're crowding around him. Why? Because he's doing all these miraculous things. And, uh, and so uh, they're all crowding around him. And then it says this in verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Then she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe because she thought to herself, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she, fell in, uh, she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of this terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my robe? The disciples are going, are you crazy? Everybody's touching your robe. I mean, you know, you know, look at this crowd. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization 
of what had happened to her, she came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she'd done. And he said to her, listen, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering's over. You see, Jesus took time. Now, he was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. Now, the rest of the story is that some people came and told Jairus, don't bother him anymore. Your daughter died and all this. And, and Jesus goes on and raises her from the dead. And, uh, and so... In another instance, Jesus was teaching at a house full of people. And, uh, and, and so here's what it is in Luke 5. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. And then I love what it put in parentheses here. It said, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee as well as Jerusalem. It's like these Pharisees and teachers of the law are following him around. See, they're trying to catch him to say something wrong. Paul had that. Paul had people that would follow him strictly to oppose him. And, uh, and it said, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Then it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man in a sleeping mat. Now, now think, Jesus doing all these miracles, people getting healed, demons coming out of people, all kinds of stuff. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a, uh, on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and they took off some tiles. Now, guys, they basically cut a hole in this dude's roof where Jesus was visiting. And can you imagine, you're sitting out there and all of a sudden you see stuff start kind of falling. And then all of a sudden there's a dude comes down on a mat. And so it says they lowered the sick man on the mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, their faith, not the man's, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Well, that lit the Pharisees up. It, it says, but the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? Now, they're thinking this to themselves. That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. Let me, let me translate wonder and awe for you. It scared them to death. I mean, uh, you know, they just saw this huge miracle, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have truly seen some amazing things today. Now, I don't think any of us have had somebody drop through the ceiling on us. But that was probably a pretty big distraction. I mean, Jesus might have been in the middle of giving the prelude to the Sermon on the Mount. Who knows? I mean, you know, he could have been, it could have been right there. He's fixing to deliver the, the line, and all of a sudden this dude comes through the ceiling. be pretty hard to get the crowd back after that. And, um, and so, you know, it was a distraction, and it happened over and over and over again. And so as you see, as, as we can see as you read the Gospels, you'll see Jesus constantly being interrupted, people distracting what he do, it would do, and, and yet he handled it and got what he needed to do get done. So last week we saw this, that Jesus, the key, was Jesus always started with the word, prioritizing his time with the Father above everything else. I mean, Jesus would always spend time with his Father, and that was the first thing. The second principle we're going to look at tonight is this, uh, in in Managing our time the way Jesus managed his time is keep your commitments. Write that down. That's by number two. Keep your commitments. 
And, uh, and so uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus said this, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond that's from the evil one. So Jesus is basically saying, be a person of your word. Be a person. If you say you will, do it. If you say you won't, don't. He said, be a person of your word. Keep your commitments. And so to make the best use of our time, we've got to ensure that our commitments, no matter how big or small, that we keep them. And if we constantly don't keep the small ones, guess what you're not going to keep? You're not going to keep the big ones either because it develops a pattern. You know, and, 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 uh, and so it's just a principle. If you're faithful in a few things, God will give you many. If you're not faithful in a few, he's not going to give you, you know, more. And, uh, and so, but, but we've got to keep those commitments. And I'm going to give you another term that you maybe have never heard. It's called an open-loop commitment. An open-loop commitment. Write that down. An open-loop commitment is where you've, uh, you've made a commitment either to yourself or to somebody. might be big or small. But, but you've made a commitment to somebody. Say, maybe you've been on the phone with somebody and, and, uh, and you say, well, I'm going to email that to you as soon as I get back to the office. You just made a commitment. And there's, that's open loop until you actually do what you do. When you do what you said you're going to do, you close that loop. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it's an open loop commitment. And, uh, and so we all have open loops. We all have miscommitments. I mean, we'll tell a friend, hey, look, I'm going to come to your birthday party or whatever it is. And then what happens? We forget, right? And you don't go. And then you feel bad, uh, you know, or you promised your boss, I'm going to have that, that proposal to you by Wednesday, and here it is Thursday, and you hadn't done it yet. Now, those things may not seem big when you're just looking at them individually, but they tend to make a pattern. And, and failing to do the things you say you're going to do is actually a lot bigger than just letting some things slip through the cracks. It, it becomes a matter of trust. Are you dependable? Are you trustworthy? And because it's a matter of trust, the stress that open loops cause in our life affect us, especially if you're a Christ follower, because we know that, that we want to honor God, you know. And Jesus commanded, hey, look, let your word is enough. Either yes, you will, or no, you want. And, uh, and so we've got to do that. And, uh, and when we don't, we feel anxiety. We feel stress. Uh, an author and teacher named Jen Wilkin said this in her book, In His Image. Do we, Christians, do what we say we'll do? Do we let our yes be yes and our no be no? Ultimately, every act of faithfulness towards others is an act of faithfulness towards God himself. Though others may make commitments, they have little intention of keeping. The children of God strive to prove that their word is their bond they do so not to win the trust or approval of others, but because they long to be like Christ. They long to hear with their ears, well done, good and faithful servant. Hits the nail on the head. So Jesus has commanded it, and, and, and we want to do that to honor him. But when we fail to make our commitments, or in other words, we fail to close those open loops, you're going to feel anxious, you're going to feel stressed. Now this is backed up by science and scripture, so let me give you some things. We'll give you another word I, I, that you've never heard, but it's the, and I can't say it right, but I'm going to say it how we say it in Georgia, Zygernak effect, uh, Zybernik effect. And, and, and what it is, is it's when you, have you ever heard a song and then you can't get it out of your mind? Pastor Kathy's telling me, that, don't sing that song, don't play that song, I, I can't get it out of my mind. You hear it and all of a sudden, it's like in your brain, you can't get rid of it. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the Zygernik effect. 
You get that thing in your head. Your mind will keep playing it over and over and over again until it finishes. Your brain's got to close it before it'll let you, let you loose. Now, having a song stuck in your head is just kind of annoying, but when you apply that to unfinished commitments that you've made, it increases your anxiety because what happens, you start focusing on what you hadn't done instead of what you're doing and where you are, and it causes stress. It messes up your ability to do your work because you're feeling bad about something you didn't do. You made a promise. You didn't fulfill it, whatever it is. And, and we've all felt that, right? This means yes. This means no. Okay, good. All right. When you, now when you, it's like, you know, when you forget to go get your prescription for the fourth time after CVS has called you 100, you know, you, you're not really just, well, you are kind of forgetful, but, but you know, it's, a, it's an open loop, you know. And, and so, you know, you, you, God didn't design us to hold unlimited information in our short-term memory. I'm going to give you a secret in a minute of how to handle that. But uh, the, the size of the commitment's irrelevant. You're going to feel bad if you don't keep it. Brain science makes it clear that, uh, you know, if we say we're going to do something and we don't, and we don't, or we don't write it down, we don't do it, stress and anxiety are going to rise. And so all of us have felt that at one time or another. So write this down. Stress comes from unkept agreements with yourself and others. You make an agreement with somebody and you don't fulfill it, it causes inner stress. And, 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 uh, and so that's, that's the bad news. The good news is this. You don't have to close your open loops to let it go. You don't have to close your open loops to let it go. And, uh, this can, and, and so, uh, you know, science shows you don't have to actually get rid of it or do it. You just got to place those open loops or that unfinished business on a system outside of your mind. For instance, if you ever something woke you up, you had a thought, and you can't go to sleep because you keep thinking about that thought, well, a lot of times if you write it down on something, then you're free to go back to sleep because you're worried you're going to forget it if you don't. So you write it down. And so that's, that's uh, the next thing to reduce, reduce the Zygernick effect You've got to put the open loops in a system outside of your mind. You've got to put, a, put in a, what does that mean? It means you've got to write it down on something. You, you got to, it might be your to-do list. It might be a post-it note. It might be a legal pad. It might be an alarm you put on your iPhone to tell you to do something at a certain time. It might be a sophisticated ta- uh, task management system you have at work. Whatever it is, the method doesn't matter. just matters that you've got something outside of your brain to put that on, and uh, then you can do it. And so, um, and that's, that's, that's just, that's a fact. So when you start writing it down, you can, re- it releases you. And that's what the science says. What does the scripture say? Look what, and, I'm, and, I, and let, let me just say this, open loop does not appear in scripture, okay? If you've ever read the one in your Bible, you know that. Uh, but uh, Paul did address it. He said this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let me say that again. Don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. You're you're putting it outside of your brain. You're giving it to God. Prayer is a great way to offload that from your little brain to God's big brain. It said, then God, tell God what you need. Thank you for all he's done. 
Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying that, that part of the solution of your anxiety and stress is clearing your minds of, uh, of concerns and, and requests through prayer to God. You can give that to God. Give God your open loops. Give God your things that you haven't, haven't done. You see, we need to do what Jesus said and let our yes be yes and our no be no. Make the best of every opportunity so we can accomplish what he wants us to do and live a life free of anxiety and stress. Now, speaking of stress, leads me to the third principle. Number three, third principle. First was start with the word of God. Then, then uh, we're going to... We're gonna, um, We're going to get rid of our open loop commitment. We're going to keep our commitments. And then number three, the third big principle is silence the kingdom of noise. Silence the kingdom of noise. If you ever read C.S. Lewis, he writes uh, the screw tape, tape letters. Uh, he talks about the kingdom of noise. And so to make the best of every opportunity, to make the best of your time, like Jesus wants us to, we've got to... We've got to fight to block the noise out of our lives and create some room for meditation, for silence, for, for us to be alone with God, to reflect. And listen, we live in a time of unprecedented, and we throw that word around a lot, right? We had an unprecedented pandemic, not really, but Facebook made it like that. Uh, we, but we live in an unprecedented noisy time where you've got input coming from everywhere. I mean, your, your, your phone vibrates, your watch vibrates, uh, you know, you see stuff on TV. There's noise coming at you from everywhere. And, uh, you know, and so, uh, but what that does is it creates noise in here, creates inner noise. Because you've got all this out here, and it creates an inner noise. And that's the hard part to get rid of. So you've got you've to learn to get rid of that inner noise, and it's harder to block out. And it's like if you ever tried to sit down and pray, and your mind's going everywhere. You know, a lot of, there's ways that you fight to do it. Maybe you walk, you pace, you, 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 you pray out loud. Helps to fo- helps me to focus when I'm praying out loud and stuff because your brain goes everywhere, right? And, and so, um, you know, that's that inner noise. Your, your mind is constantly wandering. And, uh, and so how does, how does all that relate, though, to making the best use of our time? So I want to look at this because the noise in your life will keep you from doing what Jesus wants you to do. It'll keep you from making the best of the time. So write these down real quick. Ways noise keeps us from using our time wisely. Number one, noise limits your ability to think. You can't think clearly because you've got all this stuff going around, popping in your mind all the time. You're filled with noise, and you don't give yourself enough space to think. You know, and, uh, and, and so when you can't think, you can't even prioritize your work, your work day or your life, uh, or anything like that. You know, God, God, good work requires thought. I know there are books I've read where people actually tell you to schedule time to think. I used to look at that and go, huh? But you need time to reflect, to think, to plan. And, uh, and so number two, noise limits your ability to be creative. Creation, creativity kind of comes out of boredom sometimes. You know, you got to have some time to let things brew and, and get creative. But if you've got all this noise in your brain, it, it, there's only so much space in there. 
There's only so much space in there. And if you're always thinking about Fox or CNN or whatever else is going on, some of the other stuff that God's wanting to do in your life isn't going to be there. So it limits your ability to be creative. Number three, noise limits our ability to cultivate depth. You're not going to have any depth. I mean, God didn't design your brain to merely receive information. He designed our brains to think about and make creative connections with other people. And if we fail to make the time to do this uh, while we're thinking alone, if you, if you fail to think, spend time thinking, uh, noise is going to show up when you don't want it to be. For instance, when you're spending time with others, whether it's your spouse, your kids, or whatever, how many times have you been somewhere physically but your brain was a million miles away? And all of a sudden you're brought back by maybe a kid grabbing your cheeks and saying, Daddy, Daddy, look at me. Or your wife going, did you hear what I said? And you go, uh-huh, and she just told you she's buying a new Lexus or something. I mean, you know, uh, you know or, or, or maybe she said, you know, I'm leaving you for another guy. And you go, uh-huh. You're not there, right? You know what I mean? You know, and, and so if you don't get that time with your brain working where you're thinking, you're not going to have the depth. You're just going to be a million miles away. You've got to actually, those authors that, that talk about that, some of them are very uh, effective uh, leadership people in the, in the field, and, and they say schedule time to think. You've got to reflect. You've got to reflect. Now, if you're like me, that feels like I'm sitting here doing nothing. <laughs> but you've got to think. What are you doing? You, know, you might better have a better answer for your boss. Because if your boss walks in, what are you doing? I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking you better get off your butt and get to work, you know. But, I mean, would be what a lot of bosses would say. But, you know, but you do need that time. You've got to cultivate death. You've got to get the noise out of your head. Noise limits your ability to be at peace. We can go back to what Paul says in Philippians. but We'll add a verse to what we read earlier. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He said, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, here's what he said. He said, he said we shouldn't be anxious, but we need to present our, God, our problems to God in prayer. He said, when you pray, he says, stop worrying, pray about it, and I'm going to give you peace. That's what God's saying. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, if you keep reading, you know, Paul doesn't stop there. He says, okay, stop worrying. What is worrying? Worrying is thinking about the negative consequences that could be happening, right? You're thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Well, Paul, in verse 8, gives us a list of what we need to think about. He says, stop thinking about all the negative stuff. Pray and tell God what you need, and then here's what you think about. He said, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. What that means is think about it. Think about these thoughts. Think about what is true, what is honorable what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, all that stuff you're worrying about that's negative, that may or may not happen, that you have no control of, that you keep thinking about and worrying about, he said, stop it and think about this instead. Think about my God is strong enough to take care of that. My God will, will flatten my enemies in front of me. My God will give me direction. My God will heal me. You think about the things that, that God is saying, things that are good, things that are honorable. CNN and Fox are not honorable, okay? And none of that's uh, going to bring you peace. And so 
He says, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Listen, it, 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 you, you need to let the noise take control of your mind or you can take control of your mind and think on the things like Paul is saying to think on and he will give you peace like you've never had. Number five, noise limits our ability. And it's probably the most important. Noise limits our ability to listen to God's voice. When you've got all this other stuff coming in your brain, it limits our ability to listen to God's voice. A pastor one time wrote, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we most need. And that's a true statement. Listen, let me tell you, the devil who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life uses noise to keep us from making the best use of our time. He'll get you distracted. I mean, he does it to me. Uh, the other day, I was getting up to, to do my morning readings, and I got up a little extra early. And you know what popped in my mind? Oh, you got time to look at L.L. Bean for a minute. 30 minutes later, I'm still looking at L.L. Bean website, you know, looking for some, some, something warm because it was cold that morning, you know. And uh, not that it would get here before it's summertime, but... Uh, you know, anyway, but, but see, the devil wants to distract you with noise. And he'll drown out the one input that we need. See, and part of the problem with noise is not necessarily what's coming into our minds, but what that noise keeps from coming into our minds, which is our own thoughts and the, and the voice of God, that we don't hear him because of all the noise. See, there's a difference between hearing God's voice and listening to it. And let me tell you, when, when we read and study God's word, we hear his voice. He speaks to us. When we read and study God's word, we hear his voice. Quiet times aren't always necessarily quiet because what, our brains are still going, right? We're reading, we're hearing, you know, there's pop-ups on your screen if you're, if you're not careful. And, and, uh, and, and oftentimes, we're still consuming information. Write this down. It takes silence and reflection to listen to the voice of God and connect his word. So you're, you're reading the word and you're, you're hearing him, but you've got to focus. You've got to get some silence. You've got to get that noise out. And you've got to be able to reflect, and, and then you can connect the word of God into your life. And that requires solitude. It takes time to reflect. And, and so you can listen to the voice of God and recognize his voice. And, and so, uh, you know, how'd Jesus do it? If you look, Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place. Now, I mean, if you read the Gospels, the number of times Jesus went into a solitary place, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we've been, to, we've been to some place, you know, uh, some of the places. But look, look at some of these. Luke 4, 4.42 said, early the next morning, some of y'all aren't morning people. I used to be. I'm not anymore. But early the next morning, Jesus went out to what? An isolated place. He had to get away from the noise. He had to get away from the crowd that was pulling on him. He had to get out there so that, so that he, could, he could be with his father. He went to an isolated place. And look what it said. I mean, early in the morning, the crowd searched for him everywhere. I mean, he had to get up early and go hide so he would have some time until they found him. He said when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave him again. I mean, he's like, Lord, you can't, can't go wandering off. He said, look, I've got to recharge my batteries. I've got to spend some time with my father. 
And, and don't think if Jesus didn't need to do it, we don't need to do it. Then it says in Luke 5.15, but despite Jesus' instructions, he's going around healing everybody, right? And he's telling them at this point, don't go tell anybody. Now, what happens when you tell somebody, don't go tell anybody? Well, you know, I just told 10 people, but they won't tell anybody. And they went out, and, you know, and uh, it's like ain't B on, on Andy Griffith, you know. And uh, he said, despite his instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. How'd it spread? Everybody's telling everybody what's going on. And vast crowds came to hear him and, uh, pre- and he, hear him preach, and he healed all of their diseases. And, and then it says, but Jesus often what? Withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Here he's got these people all the time. He's healing them. He's, he's, he's doing all kinds of miracles, and often he would withdraw to uh, the wilderness for prayer. See, he spent time in prayer. He would, he would leave people who were still wanting something from him and, and go get off by himself with his father. He spent time with his father before making decisions. Look at this one. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. He prayed to God all night. You know what he did the next morning? He chose the 12 disciples from a group. He had a big group following him, and he picked the 12 after praying all night. He, he prayed before he made big decisions. I don't think I've ever prayed all night like that, you know, but, but we need to pray before we make big decisions, right? Uh, look, in the middle of a busy ministry, he just heard he's, he's been busy. They told him John the Baptist got killed. And it said as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat. He's leaving a crowd. He's leaving people that are hanging on every word that he's saying, that are bringing sick people uh, to heal. And it says as soon as he heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But look what happened. The crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot many times. He's going across the Sea of Galilee, and they're running around the edge to catch up to him. He only had so much time, but he, he took that time. Listen, Jesus went to all kinds of lengths to get the noise out of his life, to silence the noise in his life so he could spend time with his father. Matter of fact, the busier he got, the more he sought out silence. Look at Luke 5, 15, and 16. He said, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power grew even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach. He healed their diseases, but he often withdrew. The more busy he got, the more he withdrew. And, and because he needed that time with his father. So what do we need to do? We need to find a solitary space. We've got to cut out time. We've got to silence the noise in our lives. And we've got to, we've got to find that place. So what have we learned so far? We've learned to prioritize the word of God. We have to keep our commitments. And we've got to silence the kingdom of noise in our minds. I want the band to come on up and, and uh, they'll play a little something. We just want to give a time. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you need to, tonight, maybe you need to come up 